Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team here at Tech Advisor. I am your host, Dom, fresh as a daisy from four exhausting days at Mobile World Congress 2022 in Barcelona. Uh, I'm joined this week by Toddy, who had to suffer along with me through the uh, rigors of our first trade show in two years. Uh, Toddy, have you have you recovered? Do you feel alive yet? I uh, got back through my front door yesterday and immediately had to go stand in the shower for a little while just to kind of de-NWC myself from the whole. But you were still standing, not not the full sitting down in the shower, kind of right. silently crying as, <laughs> no, the, as the water runs over you. I did. I was aware of a, a, a former colleague of mine who woke up one morning and had to sit in the bath, not with the bath running, just with the shower on them, but sitting in the bath because that's where they wow. were, like psychologically and physically. So yeah, it's a it's a challenging experience going back to trade shows <laughs> after two years. If that doesn't give you any indication. We love it. Uh, also with us this week, Lewis and Aniron, who sadly did not get to make the journey out, sadly. though maybe they're feeling better about that choice at this point. <laughs> so go ahead, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are going to have a bit of a wide-ranging discussion of all things MWC. Uh, the stuff that Toddy and I saw out while we were at the show, the stuff that Lewis and Aniron helped us cover uh, from from back home in the UK. And that's going to be a mix of, of stuff. We saw some entirely new launches, products like the Honor, the Honor Magic 4 series, which debuted at MWC. We got to see things like the Realme GT2 series, which had previously debuted elsewhere, but got their global or European launches at MWC. And finally, also, there are a few other little bits and pieces Toddy and I managed to go check out that uh, weren't launching at MWC, but were present that we hadn't seen before. Things like... Oppo's Find N Foldable was on the stand, making its kind of debut appearance outside of China. Uh, and the OnePlus 10 Pro was also there on the stand to have a bit of a fondle with. So we will go through all those bits and pieces that we've managed to check out. Uh, before then, let's talk about some other bits, because despite this week being dominated by MWC, there was actually a lot of other mobile industry news over the past week that doesn't fit under the MWC bracket. And also that I still managed to struggle to narrow down this week's news coverage to a mere five entries. Um, let's start with the big and obvious one, Apple. Uh, Apple has announced its next special event, uh, tagline peak performance with a, that's a P double E K. Uh, Lewis, you are always more up to date on the Apple stuff than me. Yes. Do we know what's coming here? My my instinct here is to say that we thought we knew what was coming and the tagline has thrown us all off a lot. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair point because, um, yeah, before the announcement, everyone was like, right, it's going to be a new iPhone SE with 5G, you know, fairly budget. Uh, they're going to be an, a new iPad Air, which with kind of minimal updates just to bring it in line with the rest of the iPad range, you know, bring the center stage camera, 5G, uh, faster chipset. Um, and then there's also rumblings about the possibility of a new Mac Mini with the uh, M1 Pro, the M1 Pro, uh, the M1 Max chipsets that were in the MacBook Pro range. But yeah, right. the, the tagline "Peak Power" doesn't really fit with any of those products. Um, no, none, none of, of them, them either fit peak performance in the sense that they are Apple's premium, yes, most yeah. powerful devices. Nor do they fit peak in the way they've spelt it, which is no. you know having a look. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing visual to any of these products obviously no. i saw multiple um, companies misspell peak to lose yes. the whole pun like in the process <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> obligations i was very upset yeah kind of uh, 
got lost in translation a bit. Yeah, um, yeah I guess yeah, so. Yeah, so, so um, you know, there's been rumblings about this Apple AR VR headset that's supposedly, supposedly going to make an appearance sometime this year, which kind of does mm-hmm. fall under that umbrella because the rumor suggests that it's going to be crazy powerful. Like, it's going to be way faster than the Quest 2 that we've seen. Um, it's going to have, like, something comparable to a MacBook Pro Power. And what do you do with an AR VR headset? You peek at it. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Loosely. Loosely. Lo- uh, kind of. I'm, 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 I must admit, I'm, spe- I'm skeptical on, on the AR VR headset because I think it makes more sense to announce it at WWDC when you've got the developers there and you can yeah. show them the tools that they're going to need to develop for the platform. So I'm a exactly. little bit skeptical, but anything can happen with Apple Pencil. It's a crazy time. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we'll find out soon. It's next Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So we are going to know very soon what Apple is working on there. Um, what else? So another thing that's kind of MWC related because it did come out of the show. Um, but yesterday, TechCrunch ran a piece reporting that Carl Pays Nothing is about to launch a phone. Um, we've obviously heard rumors and speculation that there's a phone on the way forever. But uh, yeah, TechCrunch actually reports based on sort of uh, sources they've heard that Carl Pay was having meetings at MWC at the show with various other companies and showing them a prototype nothing phone. Uh, very few details. Supposedly, it will have a bit of the transparency in the design that we saw in the headphones, and they're going to announce it by next month. Uh, I'm not sure if by next month means before the beginning of April, i.e. within March, or before the end of April, i.e. probably in April. But yeah, apparently we are right around the corner from a nothing phone. I have to admit, I was, I'm was, i a little surprised by this, not because they're making a phone, if this is true, because I think that was probably always going to happen eventually. I would be surprised that they would be doing it so soon because it's an odd one for their second ever product. I think it's a very complicated product to put together and I'm surprised they're jumping straight to that. We heard talk of them making smaller, more accessories and I expected to nothing to build up an accessory ecosystem before they jumped to the to the heart of it um so yeah i'm i'm curious about this well it's just one report we we don't know for sure this could turn out to be a load of hot air i'm really i'm really upset at carl personally because i was genuinely in a room with him and about only 12 other people and someone you didn't see this prototype no and someone (laughs) asked him outright like what's going on with the phone rumors and he my notes say, not commenting on future categories. The fact he says future mm-hmm. is telling, but that's all he said about it. So he literally like looked me in the eyes and he, said he, he had nothing had he prototype. could say. It was burning probably a hole in his pocket. pocket. You know as it was. he said that, yeah. <laughs> oh, he was probably delighting in that, just all these genuses. <laughs> so smart. Unawares, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm hurt and offended, Carl, if you're watching this, which I know you are, um, and I expect an apology. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <laughs> what may make you feel better is that he's actually going to have some unexpected competition for the Nothing Phone when it launches, because also supposedly launching in April, ready to disrupt the smartphone market, is a brand new flagship from HTC. Uh, <laughs> yes, <what>? supposedly <laughs> HTC mm-hmm. is coming back to the smartphone market with a flagship device launching in April with a focus on VR and AR that's going to tie into their Vive portfolio and the Viveverse stuff. 
Do you remember how? Right? Do you remember, silence. Do you remember how silence. Samsung had a VR headset for their phones that they stopped making, and Google had a VR headset for its phones that it stopped yeah, VR making and a daydream VR. People couldn't mm-hmm. make VR work on mobile in a way that it's consumers bad. wanted. Well, the thing is, it made sense at a time when the smartphone was the best way to concentrate a bit of power in a device that could fit that form factor. But standalone VR is better now, so it you is. don't need that. It's anymore. a lot better. Like. Yeah. And let's be blunt, smartphones are better than they were the last time HTC tried to make one. And let's not forget, HTC actually just sold... It, it's not just that it stopped making phones, it sold its phone division. You know, it, it sold away the infrastructure and the expertise it had to make these things. Do we know if this is a, a company using the HTC brand, or is this HTC the company who makes Vive um, VR stuff? I believe the quotes related to it came from an HTC exec... Um, I'll see if I can dig it up, but I don't think they confirmed either way exactly who might be um, making one. It's one of those ones where there's a, yeah, Taiwan's DigiTimes claims to have heard from HTC Vive Asia Pacific General Manager Charles Wang um, about this at an HTC event again at NWC. So there is a site, a publication claiming they've heard this from HTC. Uh, the original site is behind a paywall, so I can't check the original reporting. But yes, this is maybe happening. I can't see how this would have come out with attribution towards an HTC exec unless it wasn't, unless there was a hideous misunderstanding uh, <laughs> or translation error or something like that, and, and something's just gone really, really wrong and gotten lost in translation. But... Yeah, man, I'm here for it. If HTC want to come back, they saw LG left a gaping hole in the market, <laughs> and that half a percent market share is up for grabs. And Blackberry. And HTC <laughs> is uh, yeah, exactly. HTC is going to grab right on. So let's see. There may be there may be an HTC phone to rival the nothing device launching. Maybe they'll throw in a free flow headset with it because I can't yeah. imagine they're doing too well. So you can do some meditation. <laughs> do some meditation yeah. with your five hundred pounds. I completely (laughs) forgot about that and I really preferred not knowing that existed actually I think we're going to review it I think I talked to HTC before you left for MWC I think I now need to get a review sample in so we'll be getting one of those in to test out soon maybe it'll win me over maybe it'll change my mind Um, okay what else Fitbit has had a bad week Um, a a curiously delayed bad week Toddy you may know a bit more about this than me the Fitbit Ionic has been recalled over batteries burning customers yeah it's it's an odd one because this watch first came out in 2017 this was their first smartwatch um, and it went they stopped selling it in 2020 Um, and this product recall it was uh, something they committed with the I forget the acronym but some sort of US government body or something um, there were 115 reports in the US and a further number in the double digits. I can't remember what it was uh, internationally of reports of the Ionic smart watch overheating the battery getting too hot. And of that, like a subset of reports of people actually getting second and third degree burns from how hot these watches were getting. So basically the batteries were shorting and just it kind of exploding, not quite maybe, yeah. but at least getting hot, very hot, maybe not quite Galaxy Note levels. Of and, and presumably getting very hot, mm. very fast, because yes. people didn't have time yes. to get the thing off them before yeah. it Although before we're it just happened. really complacent, I don't know. But yes, either way, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, 
Fitbit, I mean, there's been no mention of like lawsuits or anything from users who've been injured or affected. What they are doing Yet. is they're recalling uh, the Ionic. There's like four model numbers that are affected. And they said, if you have an Ionic, that's one of these numbers. You can submit and get a full refund, which is pretty cool for a watch that came out, you know, several, several years I mean, ago at this point. Especially if you're someone who bought one has since upgraded, has an Ionic sitting around in the cupboard somewhere yeah, yeah, and can now get 300 bucks back yeah. for it. And because they don't sell it anymore, they're also offering, at least in the US, a discount on the Fitbit store. So if you want to buy a equivalent, now you'd be looking at something like the Versa 3 or the Sense. Yep. Um, and so you can get money off one of those as a sort of replacement that shouldn't... Either it should be... Yeah, warm up on your wrist. Explode. Yeah. And they would be a very serious upgrade, even aside from the explosion yes. qualities. Yes. Uh, they would be a massive jump up from the Ionic. Absolutely. I am curious about this. I, I can only assume this was one of those sort of late battery issues to do with battery longevity. Yeah. And it's not the that these have been burning mm. people for four years, but more <laughs> that recently they have all started to suffer some sort of degradation issue. I mean, yeah, in, excuse so. the pun. Yeah, it's either a slow burn where it's been a, a few... A few reports, and now they've got to the point where it's like, we can't sweep this under the yep. rug anymore, and we have to address it publicly. Or, yeah, it's all these late-life batteries, like, you know, three, four years on of use, are mm. now failing, and that's the issue, and they're all kind of failing around the same time. But, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those hard things. If that is the way it's gone, it's hard for companies to test for this in a really realistic manner. They have to do stress test, and I hope that that yep. is equivalent to long-term testing. Exactly. They, they can do sort of aggressive charging and, and empty, emptying cycles, but that is not the same thing as yeah. that playing out over four years. Um, but yeah, if you happen to be an Ionic owner, and I hope have not been burnt, uh, then go and go and see if you've got the right model number and, and try, and, try and get that refund in. Uh, final little announcement, um, a phone that launched today. I'm really curious why this one didn't launch at MWC, I've got to be honest. But the Motorola G22 was yeah. announced today. It's a £140, at least in the UK, uh, budget Moto phone, 50 megapixel camera, 90 hertz screen, 5,000 mAh battery, very standard spec sheet kind of for what it offers. Uh, yeah, surprise this one didn't arrive last week because Lenovo, Motorola's parent company, announced plenty at the show, but they didn't announce any phones. And you would have thought they could have thrown thrown a new moto out and got some attention in a relatively quiet MWC. Maybe everybody else is expecting more phone announcements, so everybody's dialed back. And that's why there was mm -hmm. just lots of tablet and laptop announcements. And they were like, oh, damn, we should have actually done I it. I do here. wonder if Oppo regret the Find X5 launch, because launching the week before the show is the kind of play you make, again, when you think you're going to have to fight for airtime during yeah. the week. But if Oppo had announced the Find X5 during MWC, that would have indisputably been seen as the winner of the show, mm -hmm. the big announcement, all the world's press there to cover. You know, there would have been so much excitement as that was absolutely the phone of the show. And you have to wonder if they thought there was someone else announcing something that might upstage them. And that's why they got out a week beforehand. Yeah. And, and they were wrong, I guess. I wonder what that would have been. Obviously, we always thought Xiaomi might use MWC, and they didn't. You know, the Xiaomi 12 is yeah. not there, but yeah. equally, the Xiaomi booth. 12 had already mm. been, announced, been announced, so yeah. I wouldn't have thought Oppo would mm. be so worried about that. So, I don't know. Maybe they thought Carl Pei was about to come out swinging with, a, <laughs> with the nothing. Maybe, actually. And uh, get, get back at his old company. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, let's get into what was there, rather than what wasn't. Um, the big phone that we did get, definitely the biggest launch of the show, was Honor's Magic 4 series, uh, which I got to go and check out. So these were 
not the only new devices and not the only flagships, but the only new flagships at the show. Yeah. Um, the only flagships that arrived at MWC completely sight unseen before then, and even actually pretty unleaked. We'd heard a few small details about the Magic 4s, but not, not, not as much as you might have expected. So there are two phones, a Magic 4 and a Magic 4 Pro. Uh, interestingly, among the leaks, there had been talk of a Pro Plus, but there's no sign of that. So I'm not sure if that will come later. There was a Magic 3 Pro Plus. Um, it may be that the Pro Plus will be China only, and thus we get a separate later Chinese launch. That, that would probably be my bet on what's going on there. But the 4 and the 4 Pro are launching globally. They are coming to Europe. Uh, I even know that they are coming to the UK because we know that the, the Network 3 in the UK is going to range them. So after a lot of Honor launches where it's always been a bit unclear how widely these are going to launch, this is the first one since the Honor 50 that is definitely hitting the European market, unless everything goes hideously wrong between now and, and when the phones arrive in stores. But it really does look like it's going to happen this time. Uh, these are interesting phones, actually. There's a bit more that's odd to them than you maybe would expect at first glance. I think one of the things that strikes me is that these are both very large phones. Both the 4 and the 4 Pro are, have 6.81 inch displays. So they are both in that kind of ultra size yeah. bracket, right at the upper mm. end of what you'd ever buy. You might, you know, the, the regular model is the same size, it's not any smaller. These are as far away from a compact device as, as you can get. These are right at the upper end of, of what we see in the Android space. I We've spoken about phone size so many times, I don't need to repeat myself really, but I think it is interesting that they've gone all in on making both of them very, very big. Yeah. Um, they share a lot of specs, which is interesting. They um, the, the displays as well the same size are, I believe, identical panels. They're both LTPO AMOLEDs, so they are you know impressive panels. They're good. They they have that dynamic refresh rate that drops all the way down to one hertz and up to one twenty. So these should be panels that rival some of the best around. The only slight difference among them is that the uh, the regular is curved at the sides. And the Pro is curved, is quad curved, meaning the top and bottom are a little curved as well. I'm going to be honest with you. It's quite subtle, right? I couldn't feel the curvature <laughs> oh. on the display, you know, on the Pros that I was using. They only had Pros on the stand, so I've not seen the regular in, in person. Maybe the contrast would kind of bring it out. Um, it's such a subtle top and bottom curve. I just I think I'm partly image them side by side, and there is literally no difference between them, is there? You, you can't see it. Mm. And the models on the stand, to be fair, had screen protectors on, which I think always lessens the impact of that top and bottom curving yeah. because it just change, changes the feel slightly. I do think probably without the screen protector, maybe it would be a little more obvious what they're going for there. Even so, I, I think subtle is better when you've got quad curving. I wouldn't want extreme yeah. curving. It's It's yeah. more just about when you swipe off you know, up from the bottom and off the top, it just makes it a smoother feel rather than feeling that the resistance or the edge of the, the, the display. So you don't need an aggressive waterfall curve. It's not about the whole thing looking I'm glad we've, we've moved away from that largely in phones. Oh, yes. <laughs> Remember that, that period where everyone was trying to take away the buttons on the side and instead have the screen wrap around? And, yeah volume things where you have to tap on the side of the display and ugh, horrible horrible six months or so um <laughs> short-lived thank you <laughs> short-lived short nobody can nail the yeah. palm rejection that was the thing wasn't it 
So yeah, these, these phones have basically the same display stuff other than that little curvature. Um, they both have the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 inside. They have pretty similar RAM and storage specs. Uh, they're both water resistant, though it's IP54 and then IP68. So that is one of the points of difference, just kind of how good the water and dust resistance are. Um, the changes basically all just come down to the camera and the battery and charging stuff. So the camera is a funny one. I'll get through that because I can't really talk about it too much so I didn't really get the chance to test it out properly. They have the same main two lenses. They both have a 50 meg main and a 50 meg ultra wide. I'm not sure if those are the same sensor or not. I don't know if they've gone for that Oppo style exact same sensor yeah. between the two cameras, but they're both 50 megapixel. They both have periscope telephotos for the third lens, but they have taken really different approaches with the two. So the regular Magic 4 has an 8 megapixel periscope at 5 times zoom. And the Pro has a 64 megapixel periscope at 3.5 times zoom. So it's higher resolution but shorter zoom distance. Um, the, the, they then say basically the regular goes up to 50 times zoom max and the Pro goes up to 100 times. Uh, I would love to see these two telephotos side by side and i was i think it was a disappointment they didn't have the regular on the booth because on paper i would pick the regular one Same. from my understanding yeah, of how this definitely. stuff works i yeah. would go for that regular one with the higher optical zoom distance and the lower resolution the only thing that has ever kind of rattled me was the the comparison between Samsung. s21 and s22 exactly yeah because yeah. that i really was surprised by how little difference i was getting at least in daylight in in yeah from the the new optical versus the old digital only. The thing I'll say on that, and I don't want to sound too disparaging mm. to Honor, because this isn't meant to be as saying that they're bad at this, but more that I don't know how they are at this. But basically, by going for a higher resolution, lower zoom camera lens on, on the Pro, they're putting the emphasis on their algorithmic stuff. It's how much the algorithmic stuff can make the most of that resolution and make up the difference in how good the digital zoom is. And I trust Samsung there. And with Honor, obviously Huawei was very good at that. Honor is now in this gray area where it has some bits of tech that are hangovers from Huawei, some that it's all, all its own. And I don't know whether it is yet at the point where its own camera software and algorithmic work is good enough to make the most of that hardware they're picking. Didn't you say when you reviewed the Honor 50, was it, the, that you could see maybe where some of the short shortcomings were from honor having broken away and lost access to some of the huawei tech in the well, camera well yes because yeah. that was the funny one where i had the honor 50 and the huawei nova 9, 9 yeah. which were the basically very similar camera setups but the nova 9 was better um yeah. and and you had to feel that some of that came down to the software side of, of what honor no longer had access to and, and what they'd lost there but i don't know like i said this isn't me saying honor is bad at this stuff i'm just they're relearning it. They've got a new. It's a, they're a functionally a new company in that sense, building this stuff up. And in that case, I'd probably pick the one where the the on camera, the optical zoom is better, and I'd have more faith in that. But they clearly think otherwise, right? They put this this other one in the pro. They must think they'll get better results from that that sixty four meg sensor. Mm. So curious I, to see I, how I, that turns out. Mm, I, I suppose part of it must come down to the marketing of the so-called pro phone, because you're going to want to have this this headlining 100 times zoom on yes. your top spec phone. Um, I guess, yeah, the, the than, risk is... It's like five times optical zoom doesn't sound as impressive, does it? 
know? No, I guess that is the risk that it's actually been led by the marketing choice rather than the results. <laughs> and that the one that's high res and hits 100 times looks better on a poster. But that doesn't necessarily mean it gets mm. better results. But um, who knows? You know, I, maybe it does. Maybe what they figured out, and like as Toddy said, Samsung managed to make get a lot out of a 64 meg zoom lens on on the S20 on the yeah the S20 and the S21, which didn't even have any real zoom to it. Uh, this one is still a three and a half times periscope. You know, it is a periscope. It is a decent zoom length. So it, it no matter what, it should should be good. I'm just curious how good and how these two stack up. Um, but really, actually, the thing that's most exciting about these is, is charging stuff. And we're going to talk about charging, probably actually segue from this into other charging topics. But yeah, the the regular Magic 4 has a big 4,800 milliamp hour battery and 66 watt wired charging, which is fine. That's cool. The Pro does have a slightly smaller battery, 4,600. But the trade-off is you're getting 100 watt wired charging and 100 watt wireless Wow. which is the fastest wireless charging in any phone on the market, as far as we can figure out. Uh, Xiaomi, at least, has shown off 100-watt wireless before, but firmly in that kind of tech demo-y, here's a video on YouTube or Weibo of a, of a phone charging up in a few minutes, and you know it's a generic device that doesn't exist yet. So this is the first one you can buy with wireless charging this fast. Uh, as always, that is only if you buy Honor's charger, you will hit significantly lower speeds if you just plonk this on any old Qi charger, which is what 90% of people end up doing anyway. So it's one of those specs that's a bit, almost a bit fanciful, because it sounds yeah. amazing, but you do have to spend another, I don't know, maybe 50 quid for the charger. We don't know what the pricing will be for that, but you've got to spend a bit more to get it, and you've got to only then use that charger to get that result out of it. I imagine the charger will be I quite think, loud because it's got to have a fan or something built into it to keep itself cool. Yeah, I mean, speeds. what we've seen before on these kind of things is that they tend to yeah have a built-in fan in the official charger to keep temperatures down because that's how they work. And generally an option in the settings to charge at slower speeds overnight mm -hmm. right. such that it doesn't have to run the fan. So that if you do want to use it as an overnight charger, you can still just put it on that official charger and it will, you know, if, if you set it to do that between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. or whatever, it will, it won't, it won't trigger the fan and it will keep the speeds lower to, to avoid needing the fan overnight. Because, yeah, otherwise all of these really fast wireless chargers do, do yeah. have a fan. That's the only way they can do it yeah. <laughs> without being in a Fitbit Ionic situation. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I... Like I say, I think there's there's a weird way in which maybe really fast wireless charging doesn't matter to most people, but it is cool. Fifty percent of a charge in fifteen minutes from wireless mm. is is very impressive. I wonder how efficient it is. Like, because you know, wireless charging isn't very. I mean, it's use. still not going to be very. I mean, you can tell from the speeds because it's 100 watts, and you know they then say it's 50 percent in 15 minutes, and you would definitely expect faster than that. Yeah, from 100, 100 watt wired. So yeah. they're still not on the same efficiency level. A big like byproduct of any fast charging tech is heat, and also wireless charging is known for being a very warm process. So this combination does seem problematic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and of course. 
you know that has implications on battery health as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which so maybe this is a good excuse to t- talk about the Realme and Oppo stuff because that's kind of raised all of an interesting contrast here. Um, so Realme and Oppo on the same day <laughs> announced wireless uh, wired charging breakthroughs. Um, I would love to know the internal wranglings about which company <laughs> announces what and how it works because it's fascinating because Realme held a press conference to launch the GT2 series in, in Europe and worldwide and we'll, we'll circle back to that in a minute. They also used it to say that they'd figured out 150 watt wired charging, you know, amazing breakthrough, incredible Realme technology. Ultra Dart. Ultra Dart. And it's going to appear in the GT Neo 3. Correct. Is that right? which will launch sometime soon. And we were like, wow, it's amazing. Realme, so cool, incredible. And then within two hours, Oppo had sent out their press release announcing 150 watt wired charging, SuperVOOC, which will launch in, uh, funnily enough, a OnePlus phone, not an Oppo phone, which all these intricacies is how these companies are linked. Uh, And that's going to launch in a OnePlus phone in Q2, an unknown OnePlus phone. But not only that, Oppo also announced 240 watt <laughs> wire charging, just to one up them even further, making Realme look like real chumps. But <laughs> the funny thing here, and the, the whole, the whole, there's so many bits of this that I find interesting. There's the way that Realme's announcement gets to be its own thing, whereas mm. OnePlus is folded into the Oppo announcement. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, OnePlus had a little bit of the Oppo booth. Whereas at the show, whereas Realme had its own space and, you know, they were separate. Um, then there's the fact that in terms of the Oppo announcement, they announced the 150 watt with battery health engine, but the 240 watt without battery health engine. And battery health engine is a tech that was in the Oppo Find X5 series. Basically, it's just a nice word. In fact, Realme says the exact same stuff in it. It just has its own different branding for it. So again, this this 150 watt is the same stuff for both of them. But basically what that's saying is that it can maintain 80% of battery capacity after 1600 charging cycles, which if you do a full charge every single day means after four years of use, you're still getting 80% of your phone battery, which is about double what most other people say of their charging. Um, I think it's almost triple what Apple suggests of what, you know, what Apple can get out of theirs. If I'm, if I'm remembering my numbers right, it's certainly much better. And, you know, that's despite the fact that it's very fast. But they do not make that claim for the 240 watt. The 240 watt, they're just like, Too oh, no, much. that one's going to tank your battery. But, Crazy. You know, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter because you can charge it up in right. like a minute. <laughs> yeah. And they, they are not announcing a phone for the 240 watt. That's really just to kind of, you know, conceptually, we have achieved... You know, we have we have rained it's this somewhere. much electricity into this smaller <laughs> wire over this time period without everything burning. But you know, they're making no promises about longevity. I was thinking about the the, the the kind of just general conversation about what is better, better battery life or faster charging. And NWC was a great time to kind of test that theory in my head, especially because mm. I was on reporting on the Realme stuff, um, and I was using uh, the Pixel Six as my main device, which had everything like my. ID badge to get into MWC and my boarding mm-hmm. passes. So for that to run out of battery would have been a problem. Um, and Pixel 6, famously, not very good fast charging, but pretty solid, pretty impressive battery life. And 
I think, generally speaking, I would take a device with better battery life over faster charging, as cool as faster charging is. Definitely, like, the sexier mm-hmm. of the two things. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the, the practicalities of it, um, it's not headline-making, but I think a longer-lasting battery is arguably a better innovation than faster charging. It's just that that's an area where companies seem to be able to push more is the faster charging tech, whereas it's yeah. harder to get better longevity with lithium-ion tech. Like, that's where we're at the way they've had to kind of get around the various hurdles that come with improving battery performance is things like having multiple cells inside a phone, multiple charge controllers. That's what we're seeing here. Um, But just at the space with the battery longevity where, I mean, the big thing we're seeing at the moment is stuff like what Google does, the adaptive battery, where it's trying to get better at learning, using AI and machine learning to learn how to use your phone and thus manage power better and, and that was something the re- Sony, refresh rates on displays and stuff. Yeah, that was something yeah. that Sony kind of was the first one that really shouted about having that functionality in their phones. And that was years ago. Now. Yeah. So yeah, that's been a long time. Mm. It's, it's been, been a long time. It's hard to see how much help it's really giving. It really feels like that's plastering the cracks kind of thing. Yeah. And what we're really waiting for is that next breakthrough um, where they can get smaller batteries fundamentally. And it's just a space yeah. issue now. It's that you can get you know, you can get a phone with a 6,000 milliamp hour battery, but they're thick. They're, they're big, chunky boys, and people don't want them. And then all the reviews say this phone's so heavy, it's so thick, it's so bulky. And, you know, mm. that's not what people want. They don't want a, a, a phone that's a full right. centimeter thick. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the hydrogen fuel cell iPhone, because Apple bought a company yes. that makes those, yes. I think about four or five years ago we reported <laughs> on it. And apparently somewhere there is a conceptual iPhone which has vents in it to vent hydrogen terrifying <laughs> but it can last a week <laughs> on a cell which is kind of cool i'll take that yeah, yeah. i mean i guess yeah. so but mm. when it explodes so, oh man does it explode only <laughs> on the windowsill near the sun yeah. definitely not <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah i think it's it's it is interesting that there's clearly a lot more awareness of this now because you know to see someone like oppo who's made such a focus of its fast charging tech for so long the fact that between the Find X5 Pro launch and and their MWC announcements, they've clearly gone big on this battery health engine, and they're going. It feels like they're going to make a push out of this going forwards. And and as I said, Realme were making the exact same claims about longevity. I can't remember what branding they had for their um, sense of the battery health. I'm not, not sure if they had a snazzy name for it. No, they talked about them being like something like some term of multiple pump something. I've got it here. Um, multiple boost charge pumps is I. Genuinely don't know what that means. You can no context sure. me on that. <laughs> <laughs> Go off, real me. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. They're, they're recognizing it. They're they're marketing around. Yes, we know fast charging kills your battery, but not our fast charging. You know. Yeah. We we fixed it. We solved that problem. Um, the implicit thing being, you know, Xiaomi hasn't or something like that. Yeah. The, and the way we've seen Realme devices. And, and Opera devices and, and to a lesser extent OnePlus devices basically being like repackaged versions of each other. The fact that the 150 watt charging from Realme is going into the GT Neo 3 and not a flagship class, it's more their affordable flagship range, the GT Neo mm. line, uh, makes me wonder whether the equivalent OnePlus phone that's going to have this feature won't be a flagship <laughs> and may instead be like a Nord or something. It- it does raise weird questions, yeah, because we know that what they said is uh, from from that side it will be a OnePlus device in Q2, mm. um, so that's coming up soon, um, mm. April through June, 
but yeah, we we're not expecting a flagship in that range. There was some talk that there might be a OnePlus 10 Ultra, yeah. so you could imagine it goes in that. But as you say, the 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 equivalent Realme is is going to be a much cheaper device. But then it's an odd one in the OnePlus line if they launch a new cheap one that radically outpaces the 10 Pro. Yeah. In in charging speeds, especially given the 10 Pro is only coming out, you know, mm. now it's coming out March. They've they've now confirmed. So it's potentially only a couple months between, well, potentially one month, but more likely two or three between the 10 Pro and whatever the second device is. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see what they do there. It's going to be an odd space. Um, the 10 Pro was there. I, I got to go take a look. Toddy, you, you went and had a look at it as well. Yeah, I said I'd JP in and saw it for about five minutes. Just got hands on yeah. with it. Just going to see the hardware in person. You quite liked the design in the flesh. I wasn't as convinced, I think. I think aesthetically, I think the Find X5 Pro range looked way nicer. Oh, yeah. I mean, I liked the 10 Pro, but I like the Find oh, X5 okay, cool. Pro a lot better aesthetically. I'll say the one thing that threw me is um, the green is not as nice as it looks in the renders. I would agree, yeah. And the black is nice. The black finish they've gone for works really yeah. well. But the green, all the renders make the green look like a very dark, deep, uh, emerald green kind of finish and I have it was to a lot say more what, muted and lighter muted yeah. shinier yeah it the green didn't I still liked it but the green didn't work for me as well as I thought I missed the like crazy McLaren edition stuff that they were doing and the, the even the oh, was it the OnePlus 8 series the, the McLarens I mean I never I would <laughs> never buy it but the fact it existed I appreciated because yeah. I I am I you know I get bored of of black rectangles all the time. Look right there, there you go. Exactly that orange flash is lovely. <laughs> um, I don't always love what Realme does with its master editions, but you know I don't hate. I quite like white phones, and I don't hate the textured finish. Um, yeah, so so I found the finishes and the kind of hardware design, the aesthetics, a little lacking. Even if the hardware itself looked nicely put together, and yep cool yeah. it has the benefit it's it i can't remember if it is thinner than the find x5 pro but it feels thinner and it's certainly right. lighter than the find x5 pro because of the ceramic uh mm. finish on the on the on the find makes that phone quite heavy so i think despite being basically the same size it felt a little more svelte i guess than the oppo yeah um but yeah i agree i liked the look of it i maybe thought i would like it more than i did when I, when I got there. What I will say, as someone who was hugely critical of the design language of the 9 and the 9 Pro, it is a massive step up from there. You know, I, I think they really missed the mark badly last year. And those were the first OnePluses I genuinely thought were quite ugly. Yeah. And to me, the 10 Pro mm. is a massive course correction in, in that sense. So, yeah, and you know, it's, it's definitely an improvement. And I'd also say it's a distinct enough design that I can't think of any yes. other phones that look like them. And exactly. not just because they're like weird, like they, they are attractive they're, devices. They're just not. They're probably things. perversely helped for all of the jokes about the corner camera being a little bit similar to Samsung. They're probably perversely helped <laughs> by the S22 Ultra ditching that design after one year yeah, and now not doing that. So true, now they true. don't look as similar as they as they could have looked in, yeah. in another world. Hey. Well, while we're talking Oppo, I have to say this this may make Lewis a bit jealous, but I got to try out the Oppo Air Glass, which I'm is the, I can't, I can't little the smart AR monocle, monocle oh, the smart monocle, I'm... the Dragon Ball Z Scouter. 
Yeah, oh, it's so cool. Is it? Oh, yes. It's so, so cool. Is it? So <laughs> it is though. It's really good. Okay. Oh yeah. I like that. As an AR skeptic, I don't generally get into AR. I I really am not impressed by most of the AR stuff I tried. And I also, you know, I tried off one of their older AR prototypes, which is you know a clunky pair of glasses that was a bit of a you know kind of cool, but yeah. But the air glass was like I get it. It it works really well. Yes. I, and, and the thing is that they're, they're, the Dragon Ball Z tie-in is just there waiting to happen. The special well, yeah. edition with a tinted lens. There is and, now a know, president, uh, though, because real me, sister company, exactly. has, has got a the relationship. edition they can of do the DC2 this. Neo. So they DC genuinely Neo. can <laughs> do this. Yeah. And I want them to. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to dwell on it too long, but it's very cool. It, it seems like it works well. I don't know if I'd ever buy this or use this, but I, I can see the use cases for directions, for... They're talking about things like real-time translation, so it would bring up the translation oh, nice, yeah. on, on text, on the monocle, um, stuff like that. It it looks cool. It looks a lot nicer than, you know, other AR devices I've seen. It's a lot more compact. Um, I like the pitch that it's something that you could just, you know, attach to a pair of glasses and then take off when you don't need it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I still am not sold that this is a thing people will buy because I don't yet believe that ar is going to land as a consumer project and who knows maybe next week we'll find apple's version and see what they've got up their street because if anyone can make it work mm. they can but i'm still a big skeptic about ar as a, as a consumer phenomenon apparently, uh, in terms of in terms of things you have to wear on your face but yeah. uh, mm. apparently they go on sale today in china oh the air glass mm, yeah for oh, cool. 4999 yen so that's about 790 bucks can we expense that? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, that, that's, I, I, that is a lot of money, but in a way I might have thought it would be more than that. For that's sure. Not how much was Google kind of Glass? Of its kind. Yeah, Ooh. how much was Google That was expensive, wasn't it? Like, that was very, over a grand, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, or at least like equivalent, it was a lot versus yeah. like a phone at the time. Yeah, and famously was a success. So yeah, everyone loved it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they are now <laughs> ubiquitous, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> win. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I can I envision this having a similar trajectory to Google Glass where it flops as a consumer project and then finds some sort of lease of life in in, in a commercial space. Yeah. And I still think that's where AR stuff will like this will, will work. And I can see it, there being professional environments where people use it and manufacturing and things like that where they find ways to really use AR. I do not see someone genuinely thinking, ah, I want directions to navigate this city, I'll just strap on my smart monocle and and go about my day but maybe i'm wrong i would say that's the first thing i want to do <laughs> yeah yeah i mean dom you and i also saw like some of the existing stuff that uh tcl had been working on as well in both ar and yes. they had this kind of also heads up display it wasn't really ar it was like a screen a large screen but in glasses so you couldn't see through it um yeah. that we had a quick go on um but yeah i think until they even their ar stuff was trying to resemble conventional eyewear but mm -hmm. until they are the size of conventional eyewear, I just don't think any of these products are going to win in the consumer well, space. I think the big thing that Oppo needs to tick off is at the moment, the way that air glass attaches, it attaches to glasses through a magnetic mount. Right. I think, I'm not, I think you have to buy the glasses as well as buy right. the, 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 right, the okay. monocle to attach to them. What they need is to get to the point where they can sell a mount that you can strap to your existing glasses frames and thus attach these to any pair of glasses you already know. And that will be the game changer rather yeah. than feeling like, well, I have to buy 
Oppo's slightly clunky glasses design yeah. and go to the cost of getting my lenses, my corrective lenses fitted in them and, and then all that sort of stuff, right? I mean, if it's any consolation, um, there's a rumor today saying that Apple's going to make AR contact lenses by 2030, so we don't have to worry about it for long. Great. <laughs> wow. I would Just, struggle. Yeah. I struggle. I've worn yeah. regular, like, actual contacts once and that was so hard to put them in oh, out of my yeah. eyes. Oh, it's horrible. That thick ones that would have electronics in them, just the idea oh, of that yeah. just is a no for me. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I will not be the uh, the, the early adopter of, of mm, these kind yeah. of uh, yeah. things. No, thanks. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a, too big a spoiler to say that AR contact lenses feature prominently in the new Batman movie. Oh, really? Um, oh. So yeah. I wonder if we've got an amazing tie-in coming up at Tuesday's oh, event. <laughs> oh, wow. that unveil this future tech Imagine. with a surly Robert Pattinson rappelling down <laughs> to the stage and saying weird shit. Um, I mean, would that be any yeah, weirder the, than any recent Apple event anyway? I know. <laughs> a final thing, I guess, on the Oppo on the Oppo side, because it's another bit I got to go check out. Um Toddy, I know you swung by there. I can't remember if you looked or not at the Find N, the the Oppo foldable. I, no, I didn't. I only saw the Find X5 Pro and the Find X5. I didn't have right. time to hang about because I saw then other people posting on online about finally yeah. getting hands on with the Find N. Um, the foldable I did see, which is much older but still interesting to see in person, which we can kind of touch on in this bit, is I saw Xiaomi's Mi Mix Fold. Yeah which I'd written about ages ago, and it was only yeah. ever a China exclusive, um, alongside the Mi Mix 4 as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, what were you going to say about the Find N in terms of your opinions of it? I mean, I've got to say, I basically bounced straight from the Oppo booth to the Xiaomi booth and checked oh, right. out both foldables right. within an hour of each other. Um, Reference? Yeah, Xiaomi, clearly Oppo's. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not even close. My God, it, it makes the Xiaomi <laughs> thing look like a piece of junk. Oh, wow. Um, sorry, Xiaomi, because that was cool mm. to open it. It is a bit older, let's be fair to yeah, Xiaomi. Yeah, you know, their yeah. device is, is older and it's kind of inevitable. Um uh, for for both of them being first gens from their respective companies, it is fascinating how superior the hand feel, at least, of, of the Oppo Interesting. is. Um, I mean, obviously, the Xiaomi has that weird form factor where it's very tall and thin yeah. when it's closed yeah. and has a very thick bezel around that outer it, The bezels was the thing I kind of took away from that. It was like they're surprisingly like broad, considering we'd already had other bookstore foldables that had thinner bezels. But I think that was yep. partly maybe... Side effect of them going for a slightly more affordable price point. I think that's what... it is, and that's true. It is, it is cheaper though. The Oppo's is also Oppo is also fairly affordable. True. But again, it's later. They had a bit more time for that tech to get yeah. cheaper. What's the um, aspect ratio of the fine end like? Because in the renders and stuff, it looked quite squat versus say like the Z Fold Three. It is shorter and squatter. I've got to say, I think I like the approach they've taken in terms of the sizing. It makes it overall a smaller device, but it still feels like a spacious screen when you open it out. Oh. I'm sure people who really use these big book foldables um, for productivity, the people who envision it as a, a multitasking device where you've got a big enough screen to have three windows open at once, maybe they'll find the smaller size a limiting factor. I think for people who more just look at it as, I want a cool phone that opens up and then gives me a big screen, I think they'll like the design a bit better because when it's closed, it still feels more compact, more usable. Um, and even when opened up, it then means you could hold it with one hand and use it comfortably. Um, it, it doesn't feel quite as, as unwieldy as maybe some of them do. There's not a lot in it, but I think my immediate feeling was I like the proportions they've gone for here. But this is 30 seconds playing with it at a booth, not, mm -hmm. uh, not a week of testing it out and actually trying to watch stuff on it. Yeah. 
but yeah, the the squatter thing, the aspect ratio might be a bit odd for watching content. It is always a risk. But yeah, no, it feels lovely. The 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 feel of the hinge also exceptional. Really, I'm. I guess what I'm really just what blew me away with the Find N is just that it's their first one, and they it really feels like it's as good as Samsung's third one, and that's yeah. kind of surprising to hit. And I I heard Oppo also had their rollable. The 2021 rollerball around, but it was like behind glass or something. I saw the rollerball sitting in a glass box turned off. Oh, wow. And uh, right. apparently it ran out of battery. And <laughs> of so course. they oh, wow. couldn't, <laughs> couldn't roll it anymore. I was there at the end of the day, to be yeah. fair. But um, mm. yes, they, they, I saw the rollerball, but I, have, I didn't see it roll. So <laughs> I, I can't comment on, on that aspect. Right. Um, there were a few other proper actual launches we should probably circle back to. So I actually we, we skipped right past the GT2. So Toddy, yeah. I know this got announced before, but now you've actually had the phone. You've had the chance to play around with it. Yeah, I actually. And had we it. now know things like pricing for the for the West and yes, where yes, it sits I, in that kind of space. We have early bird pricing. I haven't seen yet what the pricing after early bird is. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I actually had the phone before MWC. They got out to me in the week ahead, so I had pretty significant amount of time to play with it and test it out before that point. So I already had a pretty good feel of it before they announced it at the show. Um, and yeah, it's definitely like obviously the most ambitious, powerful Realme to date. Um, the fact as well that this is the first we've had a, a pro um, and a standard. Like we mm. we had the last year we had the GT, um, but there was no GT Pro um, anywhere actually, I don't think. Whereas this year we've got the GT2 no. and the GT2 Pro. They look very similar. Um the main thing, I think, is the Snapdragon 888 inside the 2, and the Pro gets the HM1. Um, as such, you get, as you'd expect, very good performance. Um, also, a display is something that I think Realme's always struggle with, and they've made they've done really good with like refresh rates and, and stuff, but usually, like, you know, one was lacking behind the other, be it um, AMOLED versus LCD or refresh rate. This being a high-end flagship, you get 120 hertz panel. It's, I think, their first... QHD phone as well, so it's the sharpest. Oh, is it QHD? Yeah, cool. yeah. So it's the but first. It's not they... LTPO, is it? Uh, well, it's now. What are the? It's it's an E4 AMOLED display. I think it's LTPO 2.0 or something. There's some weird phrasing. So yeah, I believe it is. It technically, can do one to one twenty hertz variable. Oh, okay. Adaptive. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. In bad. testing, <laughs> I couldn't get it go go going below ten hertz, but that's still. Mm-hmm. A pretty good range if it can do that mm. um yeah. yeah and i'll have more thoughts once the review is up which should, should uh-huh. be soon um but yeah generally it's a very nice phone the finish is really the thing i think you know i i have confirmed it is a metal frame but it definitely felt like plastic on first oh you have it, confirmed it's metal it looks like yeah, it plastic. doesn't feel like metal <laughs> but it, oh, it is, doesn't yeah it is actually a metal frame um <laughs> which some of the cheaper realme phones it looks like metal, but it's plastic. I it's... don't know what they've done to that metal yeah. to make it feel so much like plastic. It's cold. So I can feel like it. It's plastic. cold right now. Yeah, it's weird, right? I'm fascinated. Um... We were talking, you know, <laughs> brands like OnePlus making headway and having plastic that feels metallic and kind mm. of tricks you into thinking it's metal. That is a metal phone that you pick up and go, ah, oh, it's so cheap and plastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, really not. strange. I don't know what's gone wrong with the finish there. <laughs> yeah. but I, I mean, you, I don't know if you can see, but there's also like, they have the antenna brakes where they had to put brakes in the metal to facilitate the antennas. 
um, that's the thing as well. It's, it's got is. a really good yeah. 360 antenna design. The NFC area is 500% bigger or something weird. <laughs> Get excited. How, how is the street photography mode? Every time I was out with Toddy in the evening in Barcelona, he'd be stopping at every like street corner to, to go street photography. I mean, yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's got some quirky... The camera stuff is quirky because it's got, it's got the dual 50 meg that we've seen from some Oppo phones as well. So the yep. main and the ultrawide. The ultrawide has up to 150 degrees, which is like the widest angle ultra wide that you get fish which I means it has we- like a full-on fisheye mode mm. so yeah you can get like that's pretty wide and then you can go one more and it gets a full-on circular <laughs> oh, crop wow. on the fisheye um the street photography mode is something that they introduced with the gt master explorer ed- no, master edition excuse me um between this and the last gt because there's a lot of GT phones. We've got explainers on all of them on the site if you yeah. want to kind of unpick how many of these <laughs> different phones there are. And um, I think actually Hannah reviewed that as well. Uh, that was the one that introduced a street photography mode. It's really just a set of filters um, that are cool. One is even called Cyberpunk, and it has a kind of pinky, purpley hue, which kind of fits the bill. So um, the results are great. Like, they are creative and fun, but I don't know if that's a reason to buy this phone. Um, I would say, though, the camera experience is probably one of the most solid and robust I've seen from Realme yet, which is kind of what you'd hope for. Um, and there's, yeah, impressive cons- consistency across those main sensors too. Um, no real telephoto. They're adamant that their post-processing is good enough for the 2X zoom, 3X zoom, that it's as good as a an optical equivalent, but they would say that. I don't yes. I don't know if that's quite, <laughs> quite true. Um, but yeah, so far what? generally good impressions. Yeah, well, one other spec that, that caught my attention was the... A thousand hertz touch sampling rate. I think that's higher than most gaming phones. Yeah, so, so it's was... it's not. I don't. I, I think it's a. It's like an extrapolation, like an AI thing, because I'm pretty sure it's a right. two hundred and forty hertz touch sampling rate in terms of the physical abilities of the components at play. But uh-huh. I think it can like predict <laughs> AI predictive. Oh no! Oh, uh, just yeah. Stop that. yeah. Stop so and there's no way like to that. test that to know if it's true. Mm. The other weird quirk, which is something I'm going to go into in, in the review, um, is no matter what settings, because it's nice that it gives you a whole host of control over the both the resolution and the refresh rate, and it has GT mode, which is like a height, like a overclock mode, effectively. For mm-hmm. performance, um, if you're gaming, regardless of the game, even games that on other Android phones have been tested to run at higher refresh rates on the on this phone, even though the panel can do 120 hertz, it will lock at 60. Doesn't matter what the game is. So ah. competitive games, if you want this to be a gaming phone, which they kind of pitch it as because it's got so much power, mm-hmm. gaming right now at least it's locked to 60 60 fps. Um, mm. which is a bit annoying. It's not They're just for overheating issues. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. Like it gets issues. warm when you're gaming. It doesn't get problematically hot, but maybe at 120 hertz it would. And they've tested that, and so they've decided. But I, it's something I might actually ask generally, like to yeah, real weird. what that's no. about, because you know, yeah, plenty of games. Um, there's like obvious ones in terms of like demanding ones, ones that have been around for yonks, but they have, I think, uncapped frame rate is something like Real Racing Three, which is an, a long-standing Android racing game. Graphics aren't particularly demanding, but it is 3D graphics and that can technically do much higher frame rates. And I think on other phones, probably if you tested it on the, uh, the S22 Ultra Lewis, you find that it can it can go higher. So yeah, for some reason, the, yeah. the this locks at 60, which is just like, mm. considering this phone is all about performance, really, like even more so than the camera to a, less, a lesser yeah. extent. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. 
Mm. But yeah, I'll see if I can get some more answers out of Realme and we can do kind of a, an update on that in a future app. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that is disappointing because I feel like, as we've spoken about before, there are lots of people who want a phone that's that can be good for game, it can be really good for game, yeah. but doesn't have that gamer aesthetic. Yes. And yes. this has obviously got a yep. really nice design, which I think would appeal to a lot of people. But if you think, oh, other phones will still do gaming a lot better, it's kind of a tough sell for those people. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of design, I the, the Master Editions come with this it's plaque. It's like a physical 3D bump on the back with the signature of the Japanese designer that Realme always works with now, Tofukusawa. I don't get it. It's even on the case. Even if you put the case on that comes with the phone, it too has this bump and the signature and everything as well. Oh. So you can't even Whether hide you it. like it or not. It's there regardless. <laughs> um, the flip side of this, I'll, I'll say our, uh, our, our, our videographer, Dominic, who'll be editing this, um, he singled that out as... I really like the look of the design. Oh, okay. I love it well, with the signature on the back. So he mm. was a fan of it. Other people yeah. I've spoken to who had had the phone before launch as well had yeah. similar sentiments to me, but it's nice to know that some it's, consumers it, it might love it. It surprised me because I'd mostly heard negative reaction to the yes. signature, yeah. but he mm. absolutely singled it out as a design choice he was a fan of. So, yeah. But I do like the finish so, that I know a lot of people don't like, and I do understand their mm. points mm. about this slightly textured. It's meant to resemble paper, uh, both in aesthetic and yeah. physical touch. I, yeah. I like the texture. No. I wouldn't have guessed paper if I hadn't been told. No, wouldn't paper. have guessed paper. No, but it's nice and grippy. And I would, yep. I'd say it would probably attract grime over, over, like, over time. Especially on the white. You yeah, know, that's the thing. Right. Anything yeah. apart from shiny white is going to pick up grime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah the yeah. two colorways that finish comes in is paper white or paper green or green paper. So it is oh, right. a very kind of mint green, ah. pale green. Classic so still green paper. We can all picture when you hear those, those <laughs> you know. two words together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we should be getting the the standard GT2 in really soon as well, which is nice. Um, so because yep. I haven't had any kind of interaction with that except for just a few minutes after the European announcement of the phone, where they had them on the booth, cool. and that booth wasn't even there for the whole show. That was Realme's debut at NWC, and they were there for their launch, and then they shut down. And Moved the off. next, yeah, the next like exhibitor came in and used the same space, so they couldn't stick around. Qualcomm, Qualcomm moved in and booted them out. Oh, was it? <laughs> there we go. Um, another big launch we did get at the show, actual new devices, are the Poco X4 Pro 5G and the Poco M4 Pro, not 5G, because they'd already launched the Poco M4 Pro 5G, and this was the not 5G Poco M4 Pro. Uh, the, the M4 Pro is the less interesting of the two. It is quite similar to the 5G one. There's been some little bumps around in, in chipset and stuff like that. The X4 Pro is kind of interesting because... The X3 Pro was an excellent cheap phone last year. Um, I, I reviewed that one and, and was a huge fan. And Lewis, you've you've already shown off there, but you've you've had the X4 Pro. Look at that, 5G, Ooh, absolute beauty. That's a hefty camera <laughs> plateau, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's uh, a big it's... it's a big module. Yeah, I like the um, the the reflective. The, 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 it conjures up spotlights to me. Yes, yeah, this, is, like this is exactly yeah, what I said cool. as well. I think it's really cool. Yeah. It emanates from both corners at the bottom. Yeah, it's lovely. And then it also really comes nice. out from the the main camera at the top. And as it's well. got an iron's face in the back cool. of the phone. I don't know. Yeah, how I can you see myself. That's a really <laughs> odd design choice. How made? did you wrangle that? <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. Look at that. Amazing. Lewis, do you know the name of the finish there? Like, does that have like a? Is it like spotlight black or something? No, it's actually. I think it's just. Well, um, there is a fancy name for it, but it's not. It's not anything to do with that finish, like no. the aesthetic. Oh, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just it's they're laser black and laser blue. Laser. 
And okay, yeah, fine, all right, I'll yeah. give them that one. Like, I kind of okay. get it, but it's just <laughs> yeah. like eh. it could be so much I mean, worse. So sure. I, I really do like the design, though. Like this is yeah. to me, I think it's so much well, cleaner than last year's one, and mm. especially because mm. I really liked the X3 Pro, but that is an ugly phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's the one thing that the big knock I had against it was just it's a lovely phone, but it is ugly. You're just going to want to throw a case on it, and it was big and bulky and not very attractive, and that was fine because it was a performance-focused device, and I think it mm-hmm. was an okay choice to make. But I do like the fact that they've made a point of... And I, yeah. I think that design might be divisive, especially the camera module. I can see some people might look at that and, and really not like it. But yeah. hey, at least they've made a design choice here, which last year it didn't feel like they it's had. It's kind of more flat around the edge. It feels a bit like a Samsung. Kind okay. of, it's got really soft... Mm. Uh, well, it's not quite iPhone edgy. But yeah, it's, it's definitely flatter than a lot of phones are at the moment. Two obvious questions. Yeah. Does it come with a case in box? And... Uh, it does. Cool. And... What screen size is it? Because it looks fairly big. Uh, six point seven or six. I think six it's the six classic, six the classic Poco six point six seven. That's yeah, yeah, six seven. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> Which so almost, almost every Poco phone clocks in at. They they've got a bundle deal on some displays. <laughs> but yeah, it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I I I was uh, I particularly like the the hole punch camera because it's I mean you can't see because classic no battery. Um, but the hole punch camera <laughs> on this is tiny, like um, compared to some that I've seen. Like it's it's about. I measured it. I tried to do my best at measuring it with a ruler, and I got 2.4 millimeters wide. How's the quality then, though? If it's a tiny, tiny lens. Tiny, tiny lens, Not that yeah, Poco um, is really known for its selfie cameras, but... Well, I was going to say that the <laughs> camera performance is a bit hit and miss um, okay. for the selfies. I mean, it's fine. You know, you get decent enough selfies, but, like, it's not... You're not like, wow, this is crisp kind of level. Mm. But it, it's possible. What do you get performance-wise? So I think for a Poco, that's always... Yeah, uh, Snapdragon was a 695. Part. Um, inside, so not interesting. It's, it's fine, but it's not mm-hmm. you know as fast as it could be. Um, I they, thought, that, that feels like a step down. It does from the X3 Pro, unless I'm yeah. misremembering. Or a Pro, because didn't like the the X3 NFC had more of a seven or six series chip in it, but then the Pro went all out and had like a flagship. The Pro equivalent. was the 860. Oh, well, that right, yeah, there you go, yeah, everything. which is yeah. So six nine five. How's that? It's um, it's I mean, in, in everyday use, it's absolutely fine. Um, it does obviously have its limitations. Um, there were a few times where it did kind of s- slow right down. In when really? I was scrolling through Twitter, and there's a lot of images in in the timeline, yeah. you do get that stuttering. Um, and there was one or two occasions where it just froze using WhatsApp, just whole oh. screen unresponsive. Funny. Yeah. Mm. So that's um, interesting. So really, it is it is a very different phone to the last one, which was fully a performance focused gaming thing and, and yeah. this is definitely Not i guess trying to be more well balanced <laughs> yeah um but in that sense has lost its throne as as you know i mean at the end of the day the poco x3 nfc and pro were both how did they put that expensive yeah. chip in that yeah. phone phones you know it was it was almost unbelievable and no one else came close to them on performance at that price point I mean, they are, there's still some plus points. So you've got 120 hertz AMOLED, um, really nice. Um, mm-hmm. You've got um, 67 watt fast charging uh, and a 108 megapixel rear camera, the main. How does that do? Is that any good? Uh, it was. I was actually pleasantly surprised by how well it did yeah. do. In good light, I should be specific here, because yep. it doesn't yeah. have... Uh, it has um, electronic image stabilization. Um, the aperture is not great. So low light photography is still a bit... Eh. But if you're outside, you're out and about, um, the pixel bin quality is absolutely fine. But I was like equally impressed by the full re- 108 megapixel shots. 
They, mm. they captured a surprising mm. amount of detail when you zoom in. Mm. And, you know, for a budget phone, I, I think the camera is good. You know, the ultra wide and the macro aren't quite as capable, but you don't really expect that at that kind of end of the market, really, do you? Am I right? Anything we don't yet have pricing? Not as far as I know. No, we're okay. still waiting on that. Cool. Unless that's announced this week and I've missed it. Or at least we don't <laughs> we don't have it for Europe, I yeah. think. But impressive. Oh, no, sorry, we do for Europe. It's it's two hundred and two hundred and ninety-nine euros. For the lower spec, which yeah. is I kind of put uh, it in line six with, gig and one two eight. With the um the Nord C two five G. Very mm-hmm. similar, I thought, in a lot of respects. Interesting. Yes. Um mm. Yeah, those are fairly so I think the Nord would probably be a little more powerful. Funnily enough, which is yeah. never the way you'd expect those to have, have to have gone round. Um, it's a MediaTek rather than a Snapdragon, but I think it would probably win that. But I, I, I think maybe it sounds like camera performance here might be better. This is this whole conversation is confusing me because this is so different to the X3 Pro. Yeah, I know, and I'm just fascinated. Really different, and it's it's not. A bad thing. I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm just fascinated that they have completely changed the position of this product line in the market yeah. to be the kind of brute force budget phone that was all about power. Yeah. wasn't very pretty. wasn't great on the camera, but you know it was just a specs beast for the price and sacrificed almost everything else to achieve that. Yeah. And now this is much more balanced and, as a result, much worse performance. But it, it strengths the design and camera, which were. Hmm. Not really yeah. considerations in the same in the earlier X3 and NS. I also Pro, find right? it funny because that's where I would have put their F series. Yeah, you know that's that's I I, I would sort the pocket Fs as the ones where they emphasised design and camera, and the F3 was very nice last year, and high hopes for the F4, and this feels like it's going in that same direction. So I wonder if that says something about the sales they've had, where they've seen actual interest from people. Um, mm. Curious. It, I'm wondering. Yeah, it does, it, sorry, Anara, you go. I just say it does feel like whereas last year's phones stood out from the competition, there was an obvious reason to buy it. Now it feels like it's almost slipping in with the competition. Even if other features are better, they're not as obvious benefits yeah. over similarly priced competition, it feels like. Becoming yep. more generic. Yeah. It could well be with this sort of thing. It's it's stuff that comes out of out of Poco's hands in terms of for whatever reason, maybe they were able to get those old eight series like the eight sixty a very affordable price point in a way that maybe Qualcomm and MediaTek just do not offer those kind of chips at the sort of pricing they would be trying to hit. They've obviously also made the choice to jump to 5G for this one, and that does add a chunk onto, sure? onto cost, and, and jumping to 5G, the last one was 4G. So that mm. we've often seen other lines where, yeah, adding 5G on in a budget device comes with a performance hit elsewhere to try and make that work at the same price. I mean, there's every chance that with the cost of silicon as well, right now has probably gone up because of the shortage and this phone's development probably overlapped with that. Yeah. So they might have wanted to put a beefier chip in here for the same price, but they couldn't make the, uh, keep the margins where they wanted them to be. So they've gone for a slightly lesser chip to still hit the price point. It's an interesting one. I would have at least mm. expected like a seven series, and yeah. jumping all the way down to yeah. six is a, a funny choice. Mm. That was a big surprise. Um, but it sounds like it delivers enough elsewhere to still yeah. get away with it. I mean, you you were very favourable in your review, Lewis. You yeah. gave it a high score, right? Yeah, you, no, you liked I think it overall um, as a package. Yeah, this is what I mean. I think it's not you know if you're if you're a specs beast and you want the fastest, the fastest. This is you know this isn't for you. But there are plenty of phones that are. 
but for the price, yeah. I think like it ticks the a lot of boxes. Pro. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think it ticks enough boxes. I think it's got a good display, good battery life, fast charging, good camera. I think they're the main things for most people. Um, it's only the gamers that really care about the performance um, at yes. the high end. Maybe they realized they were it was coming too close to the price of the cheap gaming phones or something, and, and yeah. there was too much crossover, and that gaming audience could, could actually stretch a bit and, and end up with a, a cheap red magic or something like that. Because mm. so then you get all the going. accessories and you get everything else that comes with it with a dedicated gaming phone, which yeah. you, know, you couldn't get from this. Interesting. Um, we should go run through a few of the other little bits and pieces that launched. Um, I can go through all the, all the big stuff. PTL was there with a lot of phones, I'm going to be honest. The TCL 30 series that was announced at CES. Um, at CES, they kind of announced lots of phones and detailed three of them. They then later in January quietly launched another one and then revealed a further... They detailed the remaining ones from the CES launch. So long and short of it is there are now nine phones in the TCL 30 series, <laughs> of which five were new launches at MWC. Um, I don't really know what they're thinking, um, <laughs> other than that I don't think TCL expects to sell all of these phones in any one given market. You and I think not. more what they're doing is taking a s kind of shotgun scattershot approach to... Um, to dealing with networks and carriers and basically saying, look, we've got this whole range of nine phones. There must be one you like. <laughs> please, and, yeah. please take one. You know, then they get that one phone in, in with any given carrier in, in every market. And so wherever you live, you'll probably find there are only two of these phones on sale once they start going mm. out more widely. But there are a lot of them. Um, they're all affordable. They're actually quite nice. I was surprised. I, I went in and, I, you know, pretty skeptical. And in a sense, they're fairly nondescript. These are fairly attractive looking phones. They have pretty nice displays. Quite a few of them are AMOLED. Um, they they all have pretty big batteries. So I think TCL's probably hit a fairly nice spec balance here that will appeal to a lot of people in, in the budget price segment. But they're certainly not exciting phones, mm. I think it's fair to say. Mm. Yeah, affordability and design. I mean, they always push their display tech. I don't yeah. find it particularly unique, um, despite all the branding and the, and the approvals that they have and stuff. But... I think it is a branding thing. I think it's because in some markets they are they do very well for their TVs. Yeah, for sure. And so of I think course. they're just trying to leverage that to then say, "Hey, you know, you know TCL because of our, our TVs." Well, obviously that means our phone screens are really good too. <laughs> yeah, mm. and and that's the angle they're trying to take. But yeah, these look these look cool. I, I like the look of them uh, for for what they are. They're not thrilling. If you want to look on the YouTube channel, I do my best to run through as many phones in the series as I can in thirty seconds. Um, <laughs> which is quite <laughs> difficult, it turns out. At about five seconds per phone, based on the ones that were there. It's really hard to summarize a phone spec sheet in five seconds, it turns out. Um, but yes, they also, TCL turned up with a load of other stuff. They had some laptops and some tablets, some more of their next paper Android tablets that have this interesting, almost e-ink-esque display. Um, they also brought along all their foldable concepts. Mm. Um, unfortunately, there was only one we were allowed to actually fold, which was the uh, prototype they've, or a concept they called the Flex V, which is at CES, and it's fundamentally it's a Galaxy Z Flip. Um, not just in the sense it's a clamshell, but in the sense that actually TCL does work with Samsung on some of its display stuff, and they, I, I genuinely think a lot of the hardware inside there is the Samsung hardware. But TCL's kind of making a proof of concept that it could do one of those phones at a $600-ish 
price point and make a really mid-range version of one of those. Um, it, it's very They were very open. They're not selling it. They don't expect to sell it anytime soon. The way they were talking about price was that even the, you know, quote-unquote affordable Z Flip 3 at $1,000 was way higher than TCL were willing to go. And they, they wanted to, to make a version of that that was much cheaper than 1000 So nothing yet, but there may be that down the line. They also, you know, they had rollables. They had some tri-folding devices. They have the fold and roll, which both folds and then another bit rolls out. Um, all of those were in a box and we weren't allowed anywhere near them. So <laughs> I, I can't there's, really comment on how well they work. There's like a brief shot of, I think, a couple of those in the Flex V hands-on that we have on the YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Yeah, as it's surrounded by pieces of paper saying, do not touch, do not yes, touch. Yes. <laughs> do not breathe that, near this. Yeah. The one that I'd never <laughs> seen or even was aware of that I'd never really seen in the foldable space was they have a 360 folding concept where the panel that one is cool. can hinge both ways. So it's an internal display in a book style foldable, but you can open it out and then you can oh, keep then... opening the hinge so that then the outer Ooh. face is the display. So I yeah, don't know how nice. they figured out the... The stretch. There must be some stretching going on because mm. there's no there's no ruck when you fold it flat or close yeah. it in. So yeah, I don't know how they the engineering of that. I mean, there's a very noticeable gap at, on the hinge point from the top and bottom edge, but it's very yeah. impressive just as an idea. If they could yeah. refine that, that would be cool. Very cool. The prototype clearly very clunky and nowhere yeah. near a final yeah, yeah. final device, <laughs> but very very cool. Um, yeah, Nokia were there. They <laughs> Nokia were there. Had yeah. <laughs> two very cheap phones lewis i think you sat through a nokia, nokia yeah. briefing um yeah. two phones both that. below 150 euros right i don't think that anything oh, this was the was this the c really series exciting. this is the c series yeah oh, so yeah, yeah, um yeah. it's actually three but only two are coming to the uk um ah, so you've sorry. got the the c2 got second it. edition and then we miss out on the c21 yeah it's called yeah, yeah the c21 and then we get the c21 plus so we're just, yeah, we're messing out the middle Which one. is actually surely even more consumer, uh, confusing for consumers. Then yeah, there's yeah, like, because then there's a plus, but there's no standard. This is like the OnePlus 10 one. Like, <laughs> Literally about the same, same thing, yeah. I, I know we moan about phone naming, but Nokia made a point of saying that it was scrapping its naming convention and starting from scratch to simplify It was literally things. last NWC. And somehow we have a C2 <laughs> second edition, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> I'm yeah, it's, fuming. Uh, it's just unbelievable that they have gotten it wrong within 12 months. I mean, right? I suppose the good news is that most of us won't really care about them because they're designed no. for people that are still on feature phones and they were trying yeah. to get them to come over to the, the dark side. Of it, it's an upgrade point. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. nothing, yeah. nothing deeply exciting to them. But, no. um, you know, it's, it's interesting, I think, if only because previous MWCs have seen Nokia go big, announce lots of phones, announce... Mm -hmm flagships or at least the closest they tend to get to flagships and this year really not and i don't know what to read into the fact that they've they've turned up with with barely anything and, and the stuff they have is very cheap so could just be a shift in their schedule could reflect the fact that they're really moving moving away from that higher price point we still get a lot of rumors around about nokia going for flagship devices but it's increasingly hard to see them returning i would to love space. to see it but yeah yeah it doesn't seem like what they're interested in. Especially interesting, you know, the, the MWC also saw a, a new company come along with a license for Nokia laptops. And I remember the, the Nokia phones are made by HMD Global and they just license the Nokia brand. These laptops are made by a company called Off Global. No, no actual relation to HMD Global. <laughs> um, 
and same deal. They've just they're just a French startup who've who've gotten the license to put the Nokia logo on some laptops. But mm. talking to them was interesting because their laptops are also going for affordable, and they said that was the appeal of the Nokia license to them. Yeah, that interesting. It would be it would have power as a budget <laughs> brand fundamentally. Uh, and that's what they wanted to do. So I, guess I think that, that speaks that's... something to where Nokia sees itself. Yeah, that's fair in terms of like, you know, especially if you just hop on Amazon and you filter like phone prices for smartphones, you'll get a bunch of brands that in the West at least have no real like awareness. Yep. Even like, was it Blackview is like one and Ligu mm-hmm. and lots of Chinese brands that have been around for a while, but they don't really have any any credence over here, any, any mm-hmm. um, yeah, representation. So yeah, having a Nokia laptop or a Nokia phone in the budget space just gives, I think, consumers that reassurance. Yeah, I, get, I, I see the appeal. Yeah, yeah. and again, yeah. especially in the US, there's, there's still space in in definitely the US market to to do well there, where the Chinese brands aren't present at all. So there's it's really just them and Motorola and some very overpriced Samsungs. Mm. And you said off, off Global was a French company. They are a French company. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the lap the the laptops are launching in Europe right now, but they do have their sights set on the US. They have a global license for Nokia laptops, with the exception cool. of India, because in India there is already a Nokia laptop license by mm. Flipkart, the retailer, which is huh. very strange. They have an yeah. India-specific license to make Nokia branded laptops, mm. and they will retain that. So there's going to be this weird state where India has an entirely different ecosystem of Nokia laptops to the rest of the world. Weird going forwards mm. until one of those contract ends i guess it's a bit i of see that going really well yeah <laughs> <laughs> um other bits and pieces quiet show for audio stuff um honor announced the earbuds 3 pro alongside the the magic 4 they're just some true wireless that have temperature monitoring inside them um, which they're pitching as a health feature in that way that it will you know alert you if your body temperature is raised um wearables also very quiet honor also had had a wearable along the watch gs3 um which they really went into very little detail on in terms of specs and the main pitch was doesn't it look nice and it does look nice but i know very little else about how it runs as a smartwatch um and i don't think anyone else launched any wearables at the show if they did i missed them hmm. yeah i think realme had a new pair of buds but that was quite right. quiet like some yeah the threes or something but yeah mm-hmm. um wearables no there was nothing really springs to mind yeah it's very quiet yeah. uh tablets had a bit though we had um lenovo who were launched some products for mwc but were not physically in barcelona they they skipped it out but they did have some kind of mwc affiliated launches um including a range of tablets mostly affordable ones but some some kind of attractive looking i think the tab m10 plus was the one that we decided looked like a winner which is sort of sub-200 uh, Android tablet that still has a 10-odd-inch 10, 10 display with, a, I think, a 2K resolution, which is pretty impressive for, for the price point they were hitting, and has stylus support. It doesn't include the stylus at that mm-hmm. sub-200 price, and I'm not sure how much the stylus is, but I, I don't think it's a lot more to get the stylus. And honestly, a big 10-inch tablet with a nice resolution and stylus support at about 180 bucks is yeah, that's really good it's a fairly compelling mm. offering actually yeah. and i don't know who else offers anything quite in that space that that would beat that um and are there any other big tablet offerings that i missed i know you were covering mm, a, yeah a the, the tablet stuff yeah the many of the huawei stuff so they had the, the matepad paper which is a, 
a brand new device, which is the, the paper an e-ink is tablet. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I got it's a chance to go play around with that. e-ink tablet. Mm. Yeah. Did it, you? Yeah. It's a really odd one. I say that not in a bad way. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, as you say, it's an e-ink tablet, so it's kind of an e-reader. You know, it's mm. a Kindle rival, but it's big because it's a 10-inch display. So it's much bigger than most of the Kindles are. Um, and it can do a bit more because it's got stylus support as well and, and can do note-taking and stuff like that. I'm I'm curious about it. I'm curious about how well that will do. And I, I've not seen an e-ink display with that level of refresh rate fidelity. It's impressively yes. responsive for e-ink. The, the quality of the display, because that was, I think, one of the worries, that an e-ink that would work nicely as a touchscreen yeah. with the stylus for, for things like note-taking, you need responsiveness. Um, it even and, supports the app gallery. Yeah, and, and this is yeah. where my questions are. It, it's very unclear how much it can do and mm. how what apps you will be able to get at and how tightly Huawei will be managing which bits of the app gallery you know, it has access to, which apps are compatible. It is running Harmony OS 2, but I don't think that means it can install any app that is on Harmony OS or, or on the app gallery. I assume it just won't let you get Netflix, but I can't say for sure. But there are, there's, it can say get the Kindle app. Um, you know, one of the demo units while we had that had the Kindle app on. So it's got Huawei's own ebook store, but you could also get the Kindle bookstore. Um, mm. And it's got the capacity for also things like um, audio uh, recording. So you can use it for note taking. I think they're really pitching as a productivity device in the sense of like note taking. It can record lectures or something, um, it can. You, you can annotate stuff you're reading, whether ebooks or, or PDF files. I can. My girlfriend's a PhD student, and she uses a tablet for annotating PDFs and, and note taking during lectures. And I can absolutely see this being the perfect budget device for that specific use case, where it's absolutely perfect for note taking, where that note taking is people talking at you and you having to read lots of documents and, and mm. annotate mm -hmm. them as you go. Yeah. I, yeah, I was thinking specifically in the education space, I could mm. see it being particularly useful because um, I know I think there are some studies about um, how um, like handwritten notes compared to typing is often yeah. more effective for remembering things. Um, and, uh, and the display yeah, would I, I be a lot easier on the eyes over the course mm, of, you know, if you're absolutely. using it for eight hours straight. It did have a backlight, which I, was, I didn't really initially realize because yes. it was a bright booth, mm. but it has got an adaptive mm. backlight, which is quite cool. Yeah. And what we've put effort into the design and stuff. I think Kindles feel um, mostly kind of cheap and plasticky and budgety, and that's fine. That's, you know, the, the, the space they're in. They're, they're designed to be things you can kind of hurl around without worrying about too much, and that's okay. Huawei has tried to make this premium. It's very slender. It's got fairly slim bezel. You know, the display make takes up a lot of it. They, I don't know if they're selling it with this, but it had a leather folio case on it on the stand, Quite nice. which was really yeah simple but attractive and, and all of that. And, and you know, it, I said it's, it's got support for Huawei's M Pencil stylus to the point of it will magnetically attach and charge that and all of that. It really is, you know, they, they've designed it properly to make the most of that rather than it being just a kind of throwaway, like, oh, yeah, it's got stylus support, we guess. So it feels like mm. a pretty complete package which is interesting mm. for such an odd odd little product. Uh, yeah, I do think, um, I think particularly if you're either like, reading text but educational things or like non-fiction books and want to make notes and things like that, it's very good. 
I would find, like if I'm reading before bed, I would find that very sizable and quite clunky to use, I would imagine. Because even the Paperwhite Signature, which is 6.8 inch, I still find that a bit on the large side yes. for like reading before bed and things like that. It, so I would imagine that will not quite be as good as a pure e-reader. I think it does depend, yeah, what you want to use it for, because it's a bit too big to comfortably, say, hold one-handed and use the other hand to turn the pages or whatever for an extended period. Or yeah. also for people who commute and, and carry a, or, or want to travel and, and take a, you know, small, very lightweight e-reader with them, that's it's not going to fill that same spot. If all you're looking at is, I just want something lightweight to read books on, this is probably not it because it's because it's bigger and does a lot more, but that equally means it's a bit worse at that one thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting move. Huawei also announced uh, some new, uh, new laptops, some Windows stuff, a Windows tablet. They gave a, a European or global launch to the their Mate station, um, which it's is... really nice. They're all in one. That's gorgeous. That's yeah, a really nice, so nice. bit of kit. Uh, we don't really cover that stuff on this show, I know, but wow, what a, that is a very nice all-in-one. Um, yeah. So, you know, kudos to them. But, they confirmed the Huawei Watch D is probably going to be making its way uh, westward, yes. which is a Huawei Watch, but with um, a blood pressure monitor in it. Like, not like an optical one, but the one that can actually read your blood pressure by inflating on your wrist. Um, which we've seen from like the BP Doctor Pro or something I think we looked at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a pretty mm. specialist product. This is obviously getting the support of Huawei means it's probably going to have much more, it's going to be more readily available, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just waiting on approval from medical bodies and staff to be able to push yep. out that feature because they can't really sell it with its main hook if mm-hmm. it's not approved, um, yeah. which yep. is why it's only in China right now. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, yeah no yeah, phones I- from Huawei, but I don't think there's any shock no, that we hasn't happened. I got to see the other color of the uh, P50 pocket in the, in the flesh, which was quite nice. Uh-huh. The, nice. the white one, that's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. that's about it. There was a funny uh, rumor this week, uh, not from MWC, but the the Huawei, I think it's the Nova 9 SE has, has leaked, um, which is only interesting really because of this fascinating tidbit that it would be Huawei's, according to these leak specs, it's Huawei's first phone with a 108 megapixel camera. Oh. And I was sort of like, I guess that's true. Yeah. But it's so odd that they haven't yet. And but I don't think they have. I guess, you know, the quirk of they've released a lot fewer phones over the last year or two than they used to. But yeah, this is they are readying their first of those super high resolution ones. I guess Huawei's camera quality often has been so good that they've proved the point that high megapixels, they just reinforced the point yeah. that high megapixel has no real bearing on image quality, yeah. like not in yes. the smartphone market in a tangible way yeah mm. so interesting mm-hmm. yeah just just um on the subject of a surprising first i had i wasn't aware of um was uh the windows tablet the matebook e which has got a global launch it was apparently the first huawei laptop with an oled display and i didn't realize that, that wasn't oh. the case before um so that's just like it's, it's kind of like a typical kind of uh, Surface Pro rival with the, the tablet with the detachable keyboard and things, mm. uh, be slightly more affordable. Um, but yeah, that was a surprise to me, and I'll, and it's you know it's a great display. I've been testing it for a few days, but uh, yeah. Yes. Another another thing they they're going to be bringing, uh, which they talked to me about, was running app gallery apps on your Windows machine is going to be a thing. So something we've seen with like the Google Play Store being able to run like you know Chrome books running Android apps. Mm-hmm. 
that kind of thing. Uh, it's going to be launching on the new MateBook X Pro laptop, um, first and foremost, but it's already been in trial with like other MateBooks in the series. And theoretically, it can run on most, I think, Intel-based laptops of a certain age and newer. So it might not remain exclusive to Huawei laptops or Huawei machines, which would be interesting to see if that's another way they push the app gallery out and also bring some of the app gallery experiences to Windows computers. Mm. That's, that's an interesting point because the Windows 11's like native Android app support, it's only just recently been rolling out right. beyond mm. like the inside of program testing. Yeah. And that had quite... Um, like requirements that are above <clears throat> Windows 11's hardware requirements. I think it was. Oh, really? It needs, it needs, it requires at least eight gigabytes of RAM, but then to actually run properly, Microsoft recommends 16 gigabytes of RAM. It's like, because it's emulation? Android. Is this emulation? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a form of that. And right, that, interesting. But they seem to like, huh. for the optimal experience, they want this super high Dang. All right. spec device. So that's just most people, one of Windows 11's headline features actually won't be available to most people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so confused. I've missed that. Yeah, yeah I'm curious to know technically how that works, that it would have such uh, demanding needs. Yeah. Mm. That's an odd one. Um, let's wrap up there, because that's been a full hour and a half. Um, thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening. We'll be back next week. Obviously, we are going to be talking about Apple next week. Uh, we'll see if anyone else dares launch a product <laughs> in the shadow of Apple's peak performance. Normally, the rest of the industry scurries Runs. and hides <laughs> as, as an Apple event looms into view. Uh, so we'll see. I think all the everything we've heard is coming in March, like the 10 Pro and maybe the Nothing Phone and all of these things. Uh, I think it's a safe bet to say they will be March, but after next week. Yeah. But we'll, we'll we'll see. So yes, uh, come back next week. We'll be talking about Apple and maybe other stuff if anyone dares. And until then, thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. And thank you to Lewis, Toddy, Anna, and Iron for joining me as ever. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.